morning on this blustery November day. Uh, it's been a year since I started this podcast, Driving Theology, uh, a little over a year, I guess. Uh, this is somewhere around my 36th or 30, 37th recording. Uh, today just happens to be November 9th here in Japan, which is November 8th in America, Election Day. And uh, all of my America, American compatriots are uh, going to the polls today. The uh, early results are just coming in, and they're coming in from the, uh, it seems like the smaller counties that closed down earlier in the uh, uh, Republican states of uh, Indiana and Kentucky. And Trump is leading by a huge margin. I just wonder, you know, what CNN doesn't talk about the fact that most cities, no matter what state you're in, most cities are progressive and generally blue, whereas most of the uh, rural areas uh, in a lot of states are very red, very Republican. Can't figure out why they don't mention that, uh, because some people who are uninitiated or uneducated looking at those polls may think that Trump has won a landslide and have gotten their hopes way, way, way up, but I'm pretty sure he's going to fall fairly flat, uh, and we'll know in the next several hours, but anyway, uh, yeah, red and blue, blue happens to be my favorite color, even though I'm not a Democrat, I was raised probably much more red, Republican, I think my family is generally Republican, uh, but I would never, uh, I will never claim one party over the other. I think party politics, uh, outside of the politicians themselves, is probably about the worst things we can do things at. I think it's fine for politicians to be, you know, to have a party, to be affiliated with a party. I think that's fine. Uh, that gives people, the voters, a, a simpler way of keeping track of who's who. But for, for the people to register in one party or another, instead of just calling themselves American, I think that causes a lot of party politics. I don't, I don't think, unless you're running for office, I don't think you should choose either the Republican, the Democrat, the Green, or the Libertarian platform. I think I think you, you very well may affiliate yourself with one of those, but to actually be a member of the party, I feel like it's just a big mistake. I, I can't see any uh, good that comes out of that. Because what happens invariably is it just, just like you're, it becomes your home team. And it doesn't matter what, at least for a lot of the people, it doesn't matter what your your party believes in, because they're your team, you're going to vote for them. And you just want the other team to lose. And it becomes a, a competition, just like the, uh, you know, high school basketball game or, or uh, you know, your, your college football team or whatever. Uh, it becomes a, you know, this is my color, These they're flying my flag. Uh, these are my people, and therefore I want my people to win. 
soon as you do that, it really doesn't make any difference what your politician's platform is, uh, what they care about, what their agenda is. It really doesn't matter. As long as they're flying your flag, you're going to vote for them. And that's just the dumbest thing I ever heard. Dumb. It's, it's, it's S-T-U-P-I-D idiotic. Once you do that, you know, it's one thing to do that for a sports team. I get it, right? You're from this town, you have a sports team, you want them to win, and it's all for fun. But politics isn't for fun. Politics is life and death. You know, we're talking about people that will be making decisions to send our young men and women into dangerous places. Uh, people who will make decisions to feed or not feed the poorest of our population. Uh, people who will make decisions uh, to uh, grant rights to uh, unborn children or not. You know, these are huge decisions. These are not uh, for the faint of heart. You know, these, these are these are for keeps. These are these decisions have permanent consequences. And so, to to vote for your party just because they're your people and your home team is irresponsible and immoral and and that's my opinion and uh, I'm gonna stick with it for now until I'm you know shown that there's a better way to look at it I'm gonna stick with it I uh, I understand politicians have parties I don't understand people being involved in the parties themselves being members we should all be Americans and we should vote for what's best for America, regardless of what one party or the other says. And in that way, we could easily vote our conscience without worrying too much about it. <sighs> okay, glad I got that off my chest. Uh, so I guess we'll talk about it election stuff today. It's just been so depressing and and watching uh, friends um, friends and, and family members and, and neighbors um, even people in the same church become greatly divided over this election. And this election of 2016 is the most divisive that I remember. And I, I don't know if it's just because of the, the colorful character of Trump that's involved, the fact that we have a, a woman on the other side and Hillary Clinton. I don't know what it is, but we have a we have a bumbling buffoon on one side. Can you hear that wind? It is blustery. This is dangerously strong wind. Clear blue skies, but really strong wind. Uh, so on the one side we've got this this bumbling bumbling fool they call him the orange clown <laughs> on the other side we have this seemingly uh, unmerciful iron woman I guess would be the best way to put it uh, and, and people are really divided between these two uh, 
but for different reasons, for different reasons. I, I think uh, if you were to take all of the Trump supporters, I think you would find about half of them, maybe more, this is just a guess, no polls involved here. My guess is that half of them want him elected just to stick it to the other side. They almost want him to mess up. They want him to, to screw up uh, and, uh, and just, yeah, basically use him as a blunt instrument to punish the other side with for their policies and, and the things that have gone on in the Democratic Party that the Republicans don't agree with. Uh, on the other side, you have Democrats who want Hillary just so that blunt instrument, Trump, does not get into office. And I would say that's a big number of the Democrats. I would say that if you were to poll all the Democrats, they'd rather have Obama again, by far, than Hillary Clinton. And actually, you might get that same, come to think of it, you might get that same margin <laughs> with, with, well, not the same margin, but you get a higher margin than you might think with Republicans who'd rather, who'd rather Obama stay uh, than Hillary or Trump get elected, maybe. But of course, that's not possible. Uh, Obama has served his two terms. He is uh, eight and done. Um, so, anyway... This is a weird time to be alive in. Uh, very, very weird. And, uh, yeah, we're all just trying to figure out our way through it, you know. Um, if you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, I've probably been uh, pretty critical toward evangelicals for their support of Trump. But I think at this point I would be Maybe not quite equally, to be honest with myself, but I still might question people for supporting Hillary as well, out of their religious beliefs. You know, on the one hand, you've got Trump, who character-wise shows himself to be an immoral person, at least through his history. Now, there is the possibility that he has had an awakening, a spiritual awakening in, in the recent years, uh, and has stopped his philandering, womanizing ways, uh, his racism, uh, his greed, uh, his ge just general male chauvinism and, and white supremacist ways, even though he's not technically, I guess, a white supremacist, he seems to lean that direction. But all indications are that he's still the same guy. You know, just because he gets his picture taken with the Bible doesn't mean he understands it and you know I saw one website a, a charismatic Christian website that had a the title you know Trump explains who Jesus is and basically the Jesus Trump explained is the Jesus Trump needs him to be for him you know he created Jesus in his own image he wants somebody to, to give him strength and to give him confidence and that's <laughs> uh, very nice and everything but that is hardly an explanation that does justice to the savior of the world. You know, somebody that gives me strength and gives me confidence 
doesn't even begin to to uh, chip away the, the tip of the iceberg of who Jesus is. Uh, so I, I don't I don't feel it. If Trump has any faith, uh, he doesn't know what it's grounded in. It's my personal experience. I'd probably say the same with Hillary Clinton. My my suspicion is that she is at heart an atheist. That's my suspicion. Um, and yet, I bet she has more knowledge, biblical knowledge, uh, in general, than, than Trump does. She comes from a much more traditional background than Trump. Not wealthy. Uh, even though she's been wealthy in the last many years since her husband was president. Probably some before that. She's a, I believe she's a Harvard-educated lawyer. Alright, so, yeah, anyway, uh, we've got these two people, and right now people are deciding, and, and results are coming in, and no matter what happens, unfortunately, there's going to be no satisfaction in our country for some time to come. Uh, the divide is that great, and I don't know if this will cause any permanent rifts in our country. I don't know if uh, we're going to see rioting. My guess is if, if Trump loses, we will see violence. That's just my guess. I think we'll see some, some good old boys uh, go off to the woods and try to create their own uh, little country or whatever. And the National Guard will be called in to do something about that. You know, the, the thing is, is, if Hillary is elected, there's no guarantee that she will get any legislation passed. But what so many people are worried about is that she is going to be able to pass all kinds of legislation against our First Amendment rights, uh, and uh, especially against uh, religious freedoms, uh, that that would happen. And they think somehow, that would diminish, that would be bad for, for the church, uh, bad for believers in Jesus. The great thing is, we people who believe in Jesus have no rights. We really don't have any rights at all. Uh, except to choose, as far as I can see, Suffering. We have the right to choose to suffer for the cause of Christ. We have the right to choose Jesus over Satan, to choose good over evil. We have that, I suppose, right, if you want. Everybody has that choice to make. Everybody gets to make that choice, and nothing can stop you from making that choice. In fact, everybody will choose good or evil. We do it in small ways every day. You know, we choose good or evil. Everybody has the right, I suppose, to choose because it's something that can't be taken away. And I suppose that's what the the writers uh, of the Declaration of Independence had in mind when they talked about inalienable rights. Right? Uh, rights that cannot be taken away. Now, 
I, I disagreed. I disagree with the rights that they chose. Uh, some of them, the right uh, men are endowed with certain inalienable rights, right? Uh, which pursuit of happiness is one that they list. What is that? I mean, what is the pursuit of happiness anyway? The right to pursue happiness? Isn't that something that can't be taken away and that need not be legislated? Yes, of course you can pursue happiness. Nothing can stop you from pursuing happiness. Not a government, uh, not a prison cell. Uh, nothing stops you from that. Uh, the other life and liberty, right? You have a right to life. I dispute that. I think that we see in the Bible that Jesus is the giver of life, uh, and he gives to those he loves eternal life, and those who love him. So life is a gift. It's not a right. It's not something you can earn. It's not something that you earn, but true life, eternal life, is a, is a gift of Jesus. It's something he gives. It's, it's, it's in essence, himself that he gives to others. Uh, now, liberty, again, that's a, that's a given. Nobody can take away your liberty. You still have the freedom to choose. Now, yeah, you may be restricted in movement. You may be restricted uh, in all kinds of ways physically, but true freedom is something that happens in the heart. And that, again, is your right to choose. You get to choose certain things. And you will always have choices. Always. And most of the important choices are not things of, of geography or material possessions. Most of the important choices you will make are things that happen on the heart level. Uh, the choice to... Uh, to forgive or the choice to avenge the choice to love or the choice to hate the choice to be content uh, or the choice to be uh, want or the choice to want the choice to desire all of these choices are what make you who you are the rest is peripheral. Uh, in fact, the earth itself restricts movements. You know, you may want to go to the other side of the river, but that river can and will often stop you from getting to the other side. That's that's part of the natural world we live in. Uh, you may, may want to go across the ocean, but there are restrictions to be able to do that. You may want to fly to Mars, but there are restrictions. You cannot just do it because you choose to. Lots of other choices must be made uh, in between. In the same way with, with a, you know, with, let's say, let's take a prison cell. Uh, you may be in a prison cell, but there are certain choices you can make to increase the size of your cell, uh, so to speak, to increase your influence with prison guards, uh, to be kind to those who oppress you. Uh, these are decisions you can make that will make your life and other people's lives better and will lessen the uh, lessen the restrictions 
restrictiveness of those bars. Uh, we have a mind that is capable by design of transcendence, of imagination, of thinking big thoughts, uh, of going places in our mind and, and in our hearts, in our minds and in our hearts that, that cannot be stopped by uh, physical barriers. So, yeah, I'm getting totally off the subject here, but rights as a Christian, really, the, the, problem, the problem I see with demanding rights is that we always demand my rights. I want what I deserve, what I have been, uh, what I've worked for, you know, what I deserve. I want my rights. And as an American, I have the right to carry a gun, or I have the right to... Uh, own property, or I have the right to vote, and you can't take that away. And all of these these rights are not bad in and of themselves. The problem is, is that they're self-centered. The whole idea of rights is self-centered. We always talk about my right, I have the right, you don't have the right to restrict me, right? And Jesus was completely the opposite. He never worried about his own rights. He never talked about his own rights. What he was worried about was being kind and loving and generous and merciful. Sowing hope and love into those he met. It was a completely selfless trajectory right so seeking your rights for yourself and even for your country is still somewhat self-serving and self-centered instead of seeking rights why not seek to alleviate the pain of the suffering seek to protect the the helpless seek to feed the hungry seek to heal the sick right this is what Jesus did he didn't worry about rights what he worried about was taking care of the things that people were missing. Taking care of people. He loved people to the point of not worrying about himself, but only worrying about them. That's a different dynamic altogether. You know, demanding your rights is one thing. And I would say even demanding the rights of other people would be fine. I, I think that the idea that that the disenfranchised of America uh, need to be fought for, I think is a great thing. But I really think the people who should be fighting for them are the majority. The majority of Americans should be fighting for the minority of Americans. But instead, they treat themselves as a minority. They think that they're the ones uh, that are being disenfranchised and picked on and oppressed. How did a country that has 70% white people, why are all the white people speaking the kind of rhetoric that they're the ones being oppressed? It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Number one, they don't know what oppression is. By and large, the white race does not know what oppression is. Not in America. Maybe in other places they have. They don't know what it is to... They don't know what racism is. 
Um, now, yes, you may you may have felt uh, racism. Maybe maybe you are a white person who went to a predominantly black school. That's possible. You may have felt some racism in that instance. But by and large, you are privileged in in the country of America. You're in the position of privilege. You don't know what it is to live under a racist umbrella. Now, you may have experienced it here and there in pockets, but some people have never not experienced it. And it should be the majority that are standing up for the rights of the minority, not trying to get more rights for themselves, not moaning about a loss of of a shadow of a right that they think they, they deserve. Fight for somebody else's rights once in a while. Stand up and be be a person. Stand up and be human. If you are a person of privilege, it is your God-given right to fight for people who don't have the privileges you share. Who don't have the privileges you enjoy. That's your right. You can do that. You can choose to do that. Nobody can stop you. what God did. God came down in the form of Jesus who had everything in the world, literally, literally everything in the universe, in the cosmos, belongs to him. And yet he came down, put himself in the body of a man, became poor, became homeless, became an outcast, and ultimately was labeled a criminal and died. That is an example of how the powerful should act to those who don't have power. That is how privilege works out in the best possible way. So white America, and I'm one of you, Stop worrying about your own rights because you already have them. And start worrying about people who need help. Because evangelical Christians who claim Jesus as their savior but act just as the world does, seeking their own rights and seeking favor for themselves and seeking a bigger piece of the pie for themselves, when they already own the pie, uh, it, it's it's embarrassing. It's it's embarrassing to Jesus. Uh, it's embarrassing to the church, the true church, uh, and it's it's just not what Jesus died for. He didn't die so that you could go around uh, trying to get more than you need. Say that you don't have what actually you have all that you need. Uh, so in this election, you know, there's I'm kind of 50 50 on who I think should be president out of the top two. Uh, my conscience would not allow me to vote for either one. Uh, I if, if 
if I don't want Trump to be president, it's because his supporters have dragged the name of Jesus through the mud. That would be my reasoning. And if he becomes president, that will only get worse. Right? Because now the the, the evangelical voters, voters who voted for him, will feel justified and even vindicated and maybe even feel like the God is behind them because Trump won and then propagate continue to propagate these false uh, false pseudo-Christian ideas that would be horrible on the other hand if Hillary does win uh, it's really the abortion issue for me with Hillary. Uh, the rest of the stuff is is still hearsay. And it's you know nothing's been proven in a court of law, and I don't know what's going on with her. I don't know how much of it's of it is propaganda. I'm pretty sure a lot of everything is propaganda on both sides. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I. Tough. It's difficult to figure out which way to go on this. Uh, but I do know that the true church is going to have a lot of cleanup to do and a lot of uh, bridge building. Uh, We're going to have to have a lot of uh, community building, a lot of reconciliation ministries between the two sides, no matter who wins. Uh, and that's not for America. That's, that's our job already. But I really believe that to be a true follower of Jesus, and I know people are not going to like this, but to be a true follower of Jesus is to be like Jesus and to stay out of the political process and yet be critical, critical of all of it. Be critical of the process, right? Be critical of how you think the process goes against uh, the way of Jesus. Yes, be critical. But to choose one party over another means that you're not being critical of your own party. Uh, and that's it's just not healthy. It's not healthy. And it's actually hypocritical. And so how do you keep yourself in the world without being stained by the world? At least in the political process, I believe it is to remain outside of it, to remain critical of it, uh, but to not affiliate yourself with one side or the other, but to always be on the side of true righteousness and justice uh, and peace and hope and love and faithfulness. And that's on the side of Jesus. And Jesus is not on the side of the Dem Democrats or the Republicans. In so many ways, Jesus is right in the middle. We would call Jesus a moderate, but the way of Jesus has often been in the middle to come in between the extremes to say, "Hey, neither one of neither neither side is doing great on all the issues. But you know, over here, this side is doing good on these issues, and that side is doing good on those issues. So why do we have to choose one side or the other? We need to be critical where criticism is due." And we need to accept uh, when a party is doing something good. 
And to do that, you really can't be on either side. Jesus came in the middle, and the two the two political factions that he came between were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees were the conservatives of the day. Uh, they believed in a very small Bible. Uh, they believed in a very small God in a lot of ways. Uh, they were minimalistic, what I would call them, very conservative. They didn't believe in angels, and I don't think they believed in miracles. Uh, and then the, the Pharisees, on the other hand, were probably the more, more powerful group at the time. They were very progressive. They Not only did they believe in all the Bible, they added lots of text to the Bible. They created more texts, and they created more traditions, and more laws, and more rules. And they made rules upon rules upon rules, and they were kind of the big government side of things. Uh, and so Jesus came in between these two parties and was quite critical of both while not aligning himself with either. In a lot of ways, he, he would have aligned himself with the Pharisees as far as their belief in angels uh, and therefore demons uh, and their acceptance of, of a large part of the Bible as as God breathed, I think Jesus would have accepted the prophets, the Psalms, and not just the Torah. Uh, but he would have been highly critical of the Pharisees uh, because of their oppression of the poor and their their seeking of wealth and their greed uh, and their oppressing of, of the people with, with rules upon rules. Uh, he would have been very, very critical of that. It was. He was critical of those things, and the Pharisees, he would have, uh, the Sadducees, he would have been very critical of their their lack of of belief in the power of God, uh, their short sightedness, and their small mindedness, uh, which would have been on both sides. I think he would have been highly and was highly critical of both sides, but he chose neither side. His side was the side of God. Exactly what's going on now. I mean, uncannily so. In conservative and progressive is just the state of people. Mankind, since Adam, has been have been polarized to one extreme or the other. Human nature has become polarization. I think that's what Satan revels in. He loves to see us divided. Right? That's that's his whole goal. Divide us. Because if we're united, united under the cause of Jesus, uh, he has no chance whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to end this. I just got to my work. This has been a morning podcast. Thus, not so much yawning as I do in the evening. <laughs> so it's great to talk to you guys. Uh, love you guys, no matter who you choose. Uh, in this uh, political season, uh, I just pray that the name of Jesus will will continue to uh, spread throughout the globe and that he will come soon and fix all this mess. Uh, I pray that you also see ways that you can help him uh, in whatever context you've been placed to further the cause of the kingdom where you are, to further the cause of justice. 
uh, and love and peace, uh, thereby spreading hope. Peace to you. Goodbye.